Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. This week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast is brought to you by our newest patron, Billy. Join Billy and the rest of the patron gang in supporting the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Rural Woman Podcast on Patreon. With your financial support of the Rural Woman Podcast, you can ensure the stories that have either inspired you, motivated you to try something different on your farm, ranch, or homestead, or heck, even just made you a little misty, continue to be shared through your earbuds each and every week. Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more about how you can become a patron through Patreon. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. On this week's episode, you will meet my friend and fellow farmer, Dana Penrice. Dana is the Prairie Program Manager of the Young Agrarians Organization, which is a farmer-to-farmer educational resource network for new and young ecological, organic, and regenerative farmers in Canada. Dana works with a great team of community facilitators to help grow the next generation of farmers and food lovers in Canada. Dana has helped facilitate farm tours, workshops, and mixers across Alberta with the Young Agrarians. She has also started the Young Agrarians Alberta Apprenticeship Program and is now working on taking this program across the prairies. Dana and her partner recently moved back to Manitoba where they are working with her in-laws on farm transition. I'm very excited for you guys to get to hear Dana and her story and all about the Young Agrarians program and what they are doing here in Canada. I cannot say enough good things about this program. We have had experience on our farm, which you'll hear more about later. But before we get to today's episode, we're going to go over the review of the week. This week's review comes from Our Heart via Apple Podcast in the United States of America. This five-star rating and review says, great podcast. This was great. I really enjoyed listening and learning. Short, sweet, and to the point. Thank you so much for leaving your rating and review over on Apple. And I would encourage you guys, if you are enjoying the show, please leave a rating and review wherever you listen to the show. I will be happy to read it on the air. And you guys, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the Rural Woman podcast, please feel free to send me an email. I love hearing from my listeners of what they're loving, what they think could be better, all of the things. And the best way to do that is through an email. So you can send me an email to hello at wildrosefarmer.com anytime, anywhere, and I'd be happy to chat. So without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Dana. Good morning, Dana. How are you? I'm great. Really happy to be here with you, kind of, (laughs) over Skype. Exactly. Well, (laughs) you and I know each other personally and have seen each other face-to-face many a time, so it's great to chat with you and catch up with you. Yeah. Yes. So for my listeners who are not familiar with you like I am, give us a little bit of information about who you are and where you're from. Sure. So my name is Dana and I am from Lacombe, Alberta originally, but right now I'm living at Shoal Lake, Manitoba. And yeah. 
So, Dana, give us your background in agriculture and where it all started from you and where you are today and why the heck you're in Manitoba. Yeah, I grew up on a kind of hobby farm, I guess, in Alberta. It was 17 acres, and I feel really lucky I got to grow up there. My dad was really into, like, just trying a whole bunch of different things out, so we had horses and you know we'd get ducks and he bought me a pot-bellied pig one year and we just tried everything which was super fun and probably when I was about 11 years old we started getting into Dexter cattle so him and I kind of worked on building a little herd together and learned a lot about you know the production of farming like the actual practices on the ground kind of stuff but I always felt like I was in the middle like I knew lots about farming, but didn't know a lot about like the financial side of things because obviously it wasn't something that we were making a living off of as a family. Yeah, and then a while later, my partner Ted came along. We met at university and he started to, we still had our Dexter cows together and he started to kind of get into rotational grazing and I started to kind of think more about like, direct marketing and kind of through that we started our own little farming business which we called CNE Meats because the farm's on the CNE trail and we yeah just kind of got things started that way and Ted and I really saw that farm as kind of like an incubator farm so you know we still weren't making a lot of money off of it but we just really saw or we weren't making any money off of it but we just really saw it as this chance to like it was our education it was a chance to try different things, learn different things, you know, take lots of courses and apply it on our little farm and see what happened. So we actually lived and worked in Edmonton and we were kind of like weekend farmers uh, where we would come down and set up our electric fencing for the week and we could kind of convince dad to maybe move fence a couple times during the week. But uh, we really kind of focused everything onto the weekend. And then we decided eventually that we needed to be closer to the farm, so we moved down to Lacombe, and it was nice. We were living closer to it. But then, you know, we were just feeling like there was an opportunity at Ted's parents' place, which is out here in Manitoba. And we came back a couple of Christmases ago and talked to Ted's parents about us coming back out here. They have a larger family farm here, and they run about 140 head of cattle and they have some grain and yeah just lots of opportunity here for us to actually take what we were learning on the incubator farm kind of thing that we were doing and do it on a much bigger scale out here so we yeah we're just kind of in the middle of that we're in like our second year here and yeah it's been going great learning a lot about farm transition with family and yeah, and just doing it on a much bigger scale. That's awesome. And I think it's great that you were able to move your rotational grazing and your holistic management practices to a bigger scale and more or less have a bigger impact, I'd say. But it was cool to see that it's doable on a small scale. We yeah. were rotating like four cows. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, it's interesting because looking at it at a bigger scale, it's kind of intimidating, right? Like thinking like, oh, I don't know if I can do this on a bigger scale or smaller scale, but it's good to see that you're able to do it on all sizes of operations. So that's very cool. So Dana, I want to focus mostly on your job with the Young Agrarians program. So this is how I know you. This is how we met is through the Young Agrarians. And my listeners may be familiar with 
the term young agrarians and hearing about it. I think the first time that we spoke about it here on the podcast was with Ashley Armstrong, all the way back in episode 13 now. And she has been a member of the Young Agrarians and has been a producer for them, and as well as we have been on the farm. So let's talk about this wonderful organization that you are a part of and what your role is there. First, let's talk about what the heck is a Young Agrarian. Sure. So sometimes we get a little bit tripped up with our name because of the the, uh, word young. Basically, a Young Agrarian is anybody who's like, just starting out in farming. They might be interested in farming but haven't yet done anything yet. Most of our net, well, all of our network is interested in kind of ecological agriculture and that big umbrella of what that is. So things like permaculture, holistic management, organic farming, kind of natural farming, sustainable farming, all of those different things. And Our young agrarians are very interested in community and building community around them, kind of serving their community through their farms. But really what we're looking at with young agrarians, like our audience is anybody who's kind of like even backyard gardeners who are kind of like just trying to, you know, grow their own food all the way out to bigger scale farms who are, you know, doing some really cool things and direct marketing, say, into Calgary. There's a variety of people in the Young Agrarians Network, a variety of ages. We did a survey of new and young farmers across Canada with National Farmers Union in 2015, and we were trying to capture kind of aspiring farmers because those people aren't captured in kind of the Statistics Canada stuff. We captured kind of over 1,300 people, and out of them, the age range was from 18 to 80. So <laughs> that's where the word young doesn't really work, but it's young at heart is, is what we go with. And a lot of them are women. So part of that survey, we found that like 58% of our respondents were women. In that survey, we really found too like that people are really motivated by kind of values-based farming. So yeah, like I said, that interest in like doing better for the planet, doing better for the community. They want to be, you know, working for themselves and independent. Yeah, so that's kind of what it includes. And and what's interesting is that, like, one of the reasons why Young Agrarians started is that we're capturing a a lot of first-generation farmers, so people who are completely new to it. So part of that survey, 68% of the respondents didn't come from a farming background. You know, we typically think of young farmers or new farmers as, the sons and daughters of current farmers, but that's not always the case. There's a huge interest from people without that farming background to get into it. And that's really what we're trying to help is kind of provide them with a community of support that can kind of help them find the resources to get into it and, you know, help them to kind of build a successful business or whatever their goals are. That's very cool. And I think the statistic of the percentage of women being in your group is so high. I think that is super cool and super empowering. And one other thing that I think about constantly, I would say that I'm a first-generation farmer, but I married into it. So that's how I got my in. But for somebody who doesn't know a farmer or isn't connected with family or friends with a farmer, how on earth is anybody in 2020 supposed to start a farm? because of the capital that needs to be behind you for whether it's buying land or livestock or equipment. Like, it's nearly impossible. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where we're like, you know, we have a kind of a long strategy that goes from engagement to training to getting people to be enterprise ready, we call it, and then to having an actual farmer. And, you know, that engagement piece is where a lot of this started of, you know, I kind of like to brag a little bit about our branding. I had nothing to do with me, uh, the founders. Sarah Dent and Sean Dory, I think, had a lot to do with it. They make farming look sexy (laughs) for people who don't come from a farming background. I think our branding makes it look fun, and it really represents that kind of audience that we're capturing. So our goal is for people to be able to see themselves in it, to think, I can do that, you know, or I can meet a friend who can kind of help me get started. And really, I mean, my father-in-law, he talks a lot about just like how we can't do this on our own and we need to be helping each other out. Like he kind of, I don't know if it's a criticism or an observation, but you know, he sees the young generation as really wanting to be kind of independent and like do it on our own. And really we've been taught about that, like culturally, this entrepreneurship, it's just like, if you just bootstrap it, you just will make it kind of thing. But I don't think that's reality. We do need other people to give us a hand up and to let us borrow their equipment or give us an acre of land or all those kinds of things are so important for getting people started. Absolutely. And like we were mentioning before we started recording, it's kind of going back to the way that things used to be and community-based farming where neighbors helped neighbors and communities came together versus the independence now that we face saying that we have to do this on our own. It's cutthroat and, you know, every farmer for himself when really I think it's so important that we are in community with each other and borrowing equipment and renting out land and all of the things, like instead of it being just a man-eat-man, farmer-eat-farmer world kind of thing that I see all too often. Yeah, I mean, that's what got me hooked was, so Young Agrarian started in BC. It came from a group of youth in the National Farmers Union, and they kind of recognized that with the NFU, there's a lot of policy advocacy kind of work which was good, but they just saw this need for like a social learning space. And that's where Young Agrarians really came from. So we were out there for a National Farmers Union event and got to experience a Young Agrarians event. And we do these introduction circles where everybody gets to meet everybody in the room. And we open it up for people to share their needs and opportunities. And you know, it kind of reflects where the needs actually really are. Like, it's like those tangible, practical things. So in the first circle that I was in, you know, this girl kind of like shyly said, well, she's like, I'm starting out and I got this like seed coming and I don't, I don't have a tractor to plant. (laughs) And she's like, I don't know what I'm going to do because it's coming on Friday and I got to get it in. You know, she was just really kind of shaken up. And uh, somebody from across the room who didn't even know her was just like, oh, I'll come over and help you. You know, I'll bring my tractor over. And that's kind of where I think that community need really is and where those relationships just start out. You know, I think there's a lot of new farmer stuff out there, but it often starts, I think, at a little bit too high of a level. So we're trying to kind of fit into that niche of like let's work on the ground with these people with the needs that they just have and help them get over those little barriers one by one with the support of the community so that they don't stop we need them (laughs) to keep going yes we really need farmers to keep going and we need new farmers 
You have heard me tell you all about the amazing benefits that come with being a patron of the Rural Women podcast through Patreon, but I wanted to share with you a few testimonials from the patron gang themselves. Patron Annabelle writes, I became a patron so I could enrich my knowledge of the diverse world of agriculture. Although I live and breathe farming and ranching, there is a lot I don't know. I believe learning that how and why people do things will help me improve being a better rancher myself. This podcast also helps with the feeling of isolation. I hear the voices of ladies from all walks of life living a similar life to my own. This type of outreach is not only vital for us in the business, but those wanting to learn about the people growing and raising their food. I'm well aware that podcasts take an outstanding amount of time and money to create, so I felt like I, as well as others, can make a small monthly contribution that can help make a long-lasting podcast. Join Annabelle and the rest of the patron gang in supporting the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Rural Women podcast starting at $2 a month over on Patreon. Visit wildrosefarmer.com Patreon to learn more. So tell us what the process is then for somebody who's interested in becoming a young agrarian. How do they start and how do you get involved? Sure. Well, maybe what I'll do is talk a little bit about the prairies perspective. So I brought young agrarians to Alberta in 2015 and my challenge was I had gone to that event and, you know, BC is its own context (laughs) was what I learned. It's smaller scale farming, lots of interest in uh, market gardening. And I was just trying to brainstorm, like, who are the young agrarians of the prairies and how do we actually support them? Like, are their needs different? Is this young agrarian's model going to actually fit the context of the prairies? Of, you know, it's just different kind of farming, different scale, different kinds of opportunities, that kind of thing. So, you know, we do have a lot of market gardeners and small-scale livestock people interested in our network in Alberta and all across the prairies. There's definitely people doing that, and that is probably the majority of our network. But on the prairies, we need to be working on this, like, helping people to get skills in working landscapes. So seeing themselves more as, like, land managers and farmer and ranch as part of that. So I really saw originally the young agrarians of the prairies being holistic management type of ranching and then organic grain farming. So that's kind of where, like, how do we get people into that kind of skill set? Because I get a lot of phone calls from older farmers who have land. They don't have a successor. They've been managing things that way. And we need to get people trained up to be able to take those kinds of opportunities. So that's what we're working on. So I originally looked to actually New Mexico had some really great programming at the Clavera Coalition. And basically borrowed their apprenticeship program and brought it up to Alberta. And we've been running it now. I think we're in our fourth year. So that's like one way that that's kind of a tangible program that we're actually running. So we start out kind of with, like I was talking about before, like those community-based events. So we host a lot of farm tours and potlucks. So one way for people to get involved is just to come out to a potluck if they see one in their area. And that's all about like just getting people to know each other, meet their neighbors, meet other people who are in the similar situation to them, really creating that like farmer to farmer, peer to peer type network. And then we also host 
annual mixers, we call them. So they're two-day events where the focus is a lot more on like workshop type stuff. So a little bit of production knowledge usually, some stories of different farmers and cool things they're doing. And then we really try and focus on the business side of things there of getting those business management, financial planning kind of skills. And then we have this apprenticeship program. And the apprenticeship program is kind of really serving that need where we just need to get people onto the land and experiencing what farming is, dipping their toes in, yeah, just working alongside the farmer and getting that really important mentorship. So cool because they get mentorship both from the farm that they're on, but through the program there's like a network of farmers that are part of the apprenticeship program. So they get exposed to like 10 other farms across Alberta that are doing really, really cool things. So it the cool thing about the apprenticeship is they just like immediately get into this network of support of like what we think are like the cream of the crop kind of mentor farmers who can help them really get into it. That's very cool. So on the flip side, let's talk about if you're a current producer, um, how would you get involved with the young agrarians and what would this look like for you? So, yeah, like I said, there's, a lot of older experienced farmers that are calling me that are struggling because they have land. They want to have a new farmer come onto that land and work with them and, you know, figure out some kind of a plan for their succession. And I think we're just getting into the space, honestly, like the kind of elder agrarians, we sometimes call them, are an important part of our network and have been a part of these community building events and the stuff that we're currently doing, but we definitely need to move more into that space. And they've done a little bit more of that in BC. So there they have a land matching program where they actually have like facilitators who will work with both landowners and land seekers and help to help them to find each other and help them to set up agreements, set up expectations, like support the communication between both parties. I think that that's like such a huge need just to start talking about how people think this is going to roll out and also start to share models of different ways that these non-traditional succession plans basically can go. So yeah, I think for those older farmers who want to get involved like there's a whole bunch of ways I think one of them is learning about what the new farmers what their context is because that's what we find is that there's a big gap (laughs) there's just differences right between any generations of what expectations are what motivates people that kind of thing so like come out to an event and just learn about each other I think is important and then with our apprenticeship program like if you want to become a mentor you can apply to become a mentor and that's a great way like like I think some of the perspectives I see from the older generation it's a bit of a sense of urgency where they want somebody to come work with them they want it to happen now and they want that young farmer to be totally invested And that's a challenge to meet that. On the other hand, there's the young farmer who's like, well, I just want, like, our part of that generation, I think we can be very noncommittal and kind of float around. You know, I want to have the best of both worlds of being on the farm, but also seeing all my friends, you know, that kind of thing. So I think we all need to realize that this is quite a long process to engage in 
and to set the stage basically for a young farmer to come onto the farm. My friend Don Rizika tells this beautiful story about how on his farm he kind of went through like a, you know, they were farming conventionally, but financially it was really difficult for them and they were really struggling and they found holistic management kind of switched over to, they went organic and they started direct marketing and that kind of really helped them financially to save their farm and to keep farming. And one of the things he says is that I know I've done my work when the meadowlarks come back because he's like, we used to have meadowlarks on this farm, but when they, you know, had all of the conventional crops in there and stuff, they just went away because they didn't have any habitat. And so he's like, I just know that I've kind of done it when that happens. And he tells this beautiful story about when that happens, you know, when he heard the first meadowlark on his life. Him and I wrote this piece together that was like about how we need to be creating, what he did was created an ecology that supported that bird coming back. And what we need to do for our young farmers is to create an ecology for those young farmers to come back, a place that is supportive, that, you know, there's an opportunity to start an enterprise. You know, I think that's one of the big challenges. How are we going to bring somebody on and how are they going to make money, (laughs) you know, and how are they going to have the supports around them and the community? What's it going to be like? You know, I think we need to think through all of those things to make that a really attractive place for people to come back to, (laughs) which is hard because farming is not easy and kind of the state of farming and the tight margins, you know, it's uh, farmers are under a lot of pressure and just trying to survive a lot. So it's hard to kind of rise up to that challenge too. Yeah, that was the, I don't know if that actually answered your question, Caitlin. (laughs) No, it totally did. And honestly, the analogy about the birds coming back, like that is a beautiful analogy. And that is the perfect description of getting new people involved and excited about agriculture. Because like you said before, our generation wants to see all of the sexy things of looking like a young hippie picking through their garden, but then they don't look at the backside of it actually being a business and it having to be profitable in order for them to be able to eat and have a roof over their head and support their family and all while taking care of their mental health and their mental well-being and all of the things. Like, it is just a whole lot of things that, you know, maybe the younger generation isn't thinking about necessarily when it's coming into farming. Like, having the next generation take over the farm, yeah, they grew up in it. They know what's going to happen and they know what's going on. They can make the changes in their operation that they want. That works for them. But they know at the end of the day, like, this is a business. It's not just the sexy plow in the field or anything like that, right? You have to make a profit. You have to be able to make a go at it. Totally. And that's kind of what we're trying to work through with our strategy is, like, get them engaged, make it look fun and sexy, and then show them reality, right? But show them reality in a way that builds their confidence and their competence. Is That's kind of the two words that I think about is like, it's like, yeah, this is really hard work. And I've heard that from, well, both generations really that saying like, well, how are we ever going to get anybody into this? Because it's just hard work and it's stressful. But I think, you know, one of my mentors said to me, like, people actually thrive and challenge. And people feel fulfilled when they can, like, do a challenge and get over it. And 
you know, get through it and move on to the next challenge. And there's no better industry, I don't think, for that than farming because everywhere you look, there's a challenge usually on the farm. Absolutely. And I can attest 100% to that of the challenge of being a new farmer, getting over these obstacles and laying down at night and just feeling so proud of the work that I've done. So definitely the industry for that. So. Yeah. So what has been some of the feedback from the producer standpoint of having a young agrarian apprentice work on their operation? Well, I feel like we should turn that question back to you because you guys had an apprentice on your place. Yes, we sure did. I got a message from him the other day saying, I heard you talk about me on the podcast. Thank you. So, (laughs) hi, Monty. (laughs) I have to say hi to Monty, his dog, too, because when Jason left, I was sad that he left, but I was also sad that Monty left. So, <laughs> yeah, did that too. So, honestly, for me, it was a new experience altogether because this was my first year of marriage on the farm. So, I feel like I was just as much of an apprentice as Jason was. But for my perspective on how Justin felt about it, and obviously we talked about it, it was honestly a great learning experience for everyone I think it was a learning experience Mm -hmm. for Justin to be explaining to somebody who might not be well versed in what we were doing and the why we were doing these things and you know again not showing just the sexy part of green farming not that I think there's many sexy parts of green farming maybe driving the combine might be a little sexy but that's (laughs) honestly it was such a good learning experience and I think it gave us the opportunity to look back and question why are we doing things the way that we're doing and how is this holding up to what everybody else is doing and that sort of thing. Like we are one of the only organic grain farms in our area. There's not huge organic grain farms around us. It's mostly conventional. So obviously we do it a little bit differently, but it was nice to know that there was a community of people who were interested in what we were doing and why we were doing it, and that wanted to be a part of it. So that also kind of makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. And Jason's such a cool example. We can keep talking about him because he's actually, like I think this year he's been working with another farmer, and that farm, like it's a good example of how the mentorship continues because that farmer kind of is letting him do, take a couple quarters and do whatever he wants on it, right? So it's such a good example. Like I've been really paying attention to that example I mean, it's just one example, but hopefully something we can keep working with because it's showing that, like, getting somebody all the way up to, like, grain farming, right, which seems so intimidating for somebody who's just a new farmer, but it's possible and we really need that. We have all kinds of mentor farmers in our program from market gardeners to, like, ranchers and all kinds of different experience. And because we treat it as a cohort, everybody gets to see a little bit of everybody else's stuff too so you know we had Jason there but then we also had like everybody come down and see your guys's place which was super fun and so they kind of get a taste for what else is out there but I think the feedback that we from our mentor farmers is a lot around what you're saying of like everybody's learning and we try and remind our apprentices of that is that the mentors are probably learning just as much if not more than what you are <laughs> because they ask those like questions of like, why do you do that? You know, or what's this about? And it makes the mentors, I think, rethink everything and really reminds them of why they're doing what they're doing. 
And then they're also learning to become mentors too, which is a unique skill set. I don't think everybody has that skill. I mean, I think lots of people can develop it, but we're trying to pay attention to that too as an apprenticeship program of like giving professional development to our mentors so that they can become better at it. Because it's not easy to bring somebody onto your farm and have them follow you around the whole time, all the time, you know, and, you know, know that you're training them well and they're going to make mistakes. And Gabe Brown's book, Soil to Dirt, has this really great story of him sending out an apprentice to fix a water pipeline. And Gabe goes out there later to see how the job was done. And he sees the apprentice has stuck a giant zucchini in the hole. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, apprentices are going to do some weird things on your farm and they'll probably break things too. That's why it's like, it's not for everybody, but, you know, the, the apprentices we worked with that we're looking to work, or the mentors we work with are looking to work with are people who really value that teaching side of things and really supporting that next generation. Yes, absolutely. That's too funny. It's me in the whole, like, how innovative is that? Right? Yeah. I think he says something like, he's like, well, it worked. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, too funny. Well, Dana, it has been so wonderful catching up with you and chatting with you. I have my final question for you, but it is a two-parter for you because you are sure. multifaceted and have so many things going on. So, my first part, what is the most rewarding part personally for you to be a farmer? And second, what is the most rewarding part of being a part of the Young Agrarian? I, maybe I'll try and answer them together. You know what? Being part of the Young Agrarian community and, you know, I was a new farmer. I'm the audience for it, right? And so a while back I was kind of struggling, you know, like we'd kind of gotten Young Agrarian going and I was like, well, like am I the farmer or am I a farmer organizer? And I can't figure out what I should be doing, (laughs) you know, just that pull between the two roles, I guess. And one of my friends who now works for us, Lily Lungard, she just said to me, she's like, Dana, we just really need people with your skills to be organizing farmers and getting us together and because we can't do it. And so my world has gone a little bit more to the agrarian side than the farming side, but uh, I really love being on farm and, you know, I've got my own little enterprises going on on our farm here and, you know, it's fun to have a, my toes in it, I guess. And there's this ideal of being like a full-time farmer, right? And that's really what we want to be helping people to become. But for so many people, it's not a reality. So I'm very lucky to have younger agrarians off farm income to uh, help support our farm and make it happen. But yeah, it just is really Oh, man, this is a hard question. It's like, I think what I value most out of it is like this just supportive mutual learning community. Like everybody is in it to help each other out. We seem to have like developed these common values in it of like, it's not about, I mean, there is some competition, obviously, because we're usually, the farms are in the same marketplace often, but it's like collaboration. It's like, how can we fit together, fit our enterprises together? How can I, you know, help you out? And Like, one of the things I think that just really gets me going is when two people I know in different worlds meet and they, like, I know that they would love each other and they just, like, find each other and hit it off and do something together. And, it like, I get to see that kind of thing happening all the time in our network. And, yeah, it's really amazing. I think we can turn this and say that collaboration is sexy. 
So <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I like that. Yes, farming and collaboration is sexy. Maybe that can be the episode title for this show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> so funny. Well, Dana, like I said, it has been so great chatting with you, and I'm so happy to share your story and the story of the Young Agrarian. I am one of their biggest fans, and I'm a big supporter of it. Um, for the listeners who would like to be in contact with you after the show, where can they find you online, and what are some resources for the young agrarians that they can find online? Sure. I'm not really on a lot of the social media stuff, but yeah, um, you can find me on youngagrarians.org, and there's a ton of resources there. That's what the whole thing is for. There's also, I'll point to a section of it that's kind of cool. There's this thing called the UMAP on there. And it's basically a map of Canada that has all kinds of different resources for new and farmers. But one really important thing with that is we'd ask that you add your farm to it because people want to know about you and we can kind of help share your story or help you find other farmers or other consumers by adding your farm to that map. Yeah, and a couple of resources. I would say I pulled out a couple books. I'm a big book lover. And I wanted to share one that's really helped me lately in moving back to the farm and being the daughter-in-law on the farm is Elaine Fraze's Farming's In-Law Factor. It's so great. It explains everything that's happening to me (laughs) and my role in the farm. And then for, you know, first-generation farmers or, well, really any young or new farmer, there's a great book from the Stone Barn Center called Letters to a Young Farmer. And it's just a beautiful combination of different people throughout the food movement of North America and globally, actually, that write these letters of, like, encouragement and support and sometimes warnings, maybe, of... uh what it's going to be like to get into farming. And it's just like a really good feel good book. Cause I think these new farmers, they really need champions to keep them going. Yes, absolutely. That's so great. And I'm going to link all of those show notes so people can find the young agrarians and connect with them. But I'm also going to link those books and probably purchase them myself. So thank you again so much for chatting with me today on the Rural Women podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you for all the work you're doing too, Caitlin. It's amazing what you've created. I just feel blessed to be a part of it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at wildrosefarmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.